Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 4 of The Clue of the Silken Ladder by Mildred A. Worth Benson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Cheryl Adams, Cowhegan, Maine, 2016. Chapter 4. A Turn of Fortune. Penny immediately locked her desk and gathered up hat and gloves. She was hard-pressed to keep pace with her father as they hastened to the elevator. By the way, you have your car downstairs? The publisher inquired absently. He seldom drove his own automobile to the office. What a memory you have, Dad, chuckled Penny. Yes, I have all two of them, parked in the loading dock for convenience. Penny, haven't I told you a dozen times, Mr. Parker began, only to check himself. Well, it will save us time now. However, we may discuss a few matters when we get home. The elevator shot them down to the first floor. Leaping Lena and the maroon sedan remained in the loading dock with a string of star paper trucks blocking a portion of the street. Hey, sister, a trucker called angrily to Penny. It's time you were getting these cars out of here. He broke off when he recognized Mr. Parker and faded away behind one of the trucks. Dad, do you mind steering Lena? Penny asked demurely. We can't leave her here. You can see for yourself that she seems to be blocking traffic. Yes, I see, Mr. Parker responded grimly. Of course, if you would feel more dignified driving the sedan. Let me have the keys, the publisher interrupted. The important thing is to get home without delay. Penny became sober and slid into her place at the wheel of Leaping Lena. Amid the smiles of the truckers, Mr. Parker drove the two cars out of the dock. Once underway, the caravan made reckless progress through rush hour traffic. More than once, Penny whispered a prayer as Lena swayed around a corner, missing other cars by scant inches. Presently, the two automobiles drew up before a pleasant, tree-shaded home built upon a high terrace overlooking a winding river. Penny and her father alighted, walking hurriedly toward the front porch. The door stood open, and from within came the reassuring howl of a radio turned too high. "'Nothing so very serious can have happened,' remarked Penny." Otherwise, Mrs. Weems wouldn't have that thing going full blast. At the sound of footsteps, the housekeeper herself came into the living room from the kitchen. Her plump face was unusually animated. I hope you didn't mind because I telephoned the office, Mr. Parker, she began apologetically. I was so excited. I just did it before I stopped to think. Penny and I were nearly ready to start home in any case, Mrs. Weems. Has anything gone wrong here? 
Oh, no, Mr. Parker. It was the telegram. Telegram? One for me, you mean? No, my own. The housekeeper drew a yellow paper from the pocket of her apron, offering it to the publisher. My cousin David died out in Montana, she explained. The funeral was last Saturday. That's too bad, remarked Penny sympathetically. And then she added, Only you don't look particularly sad, Mrs. Weems. How much did he leave you? Penny, you say such shocking things. I never met Cousin David but once in my life. He was a kind, good man, and I only wish I had written to him more often. I never dreamed he would remember me in his will. Then he did leave you money, exclaimed Penny triumphantly. How much does the telegram say, Dad? You may as well tell her, Mr. Parker, sighed the housekeeper. She'll give me no peace until she learns every detail. This message, which is from a Montana lawyer, mentions $6,000, returned the publisher. Apparently, the money is to be turned over without legal delay. Why, Mrs. Weems, you're an heiress, cried Penny admiringly. I can't believe it's true, murmured Mrs. Weems. You don't think there's any mistake, Mr. Parker. It would be too cruel if someone had sent the message as a joke. Before returning the telegram to the housekeeper, Mr. Parker switched off the radio. This message appears to be authentic, he declared. My congratulations upon your good fortune. What will you do with all your money? inquired Penny. Oh, I don't know. The housekeeper sank into a chair, her eyes fastened dreamily on a far wall. I've always wanted to travel. Penny and her father exchanged a quick, alarmed glance. Mrs. Weems had been in charge of the household for so many years that they could not imagine living without her, should she decide to leave. During her brief, infrequent vacations, the house always degenerated into a disgrace of dust and misplaced furniture, and meals were never served at regular hours. "'The oceans are very unsafe, Mrs. Weems,' discouraged Penny. "'Wars and submarines and things. Surely you wouldn't dare travel now.' "'Oh, I mean in the United States,' replied the housekeeper. "'I've always wanted to go out west. They say the Grand Canyon is so pretty it takes your breath away.' "'Mrs. Weems, you have worked for us long and faithfully and deserve a rest,' said Mr. Parker, trying to speak heartily. "'Now, if you would enjoy a trip, Penny and I will get along somehow for two or three weeks.' "'Oh, if I go, I'll stay the entire summer.' The housekeeper hesitated, then added, "'I've enjoyed working here, Mr. Parker, but doing the same thing year after year gets tiresome.' Often I've said to myself that if I had a little money, I would retire and take life easy for the rest of my days. Why, Mrs. Weems, you're only forty-eight, protested Penny. You would be unhappy if you didn't have any work to do. At least I wouldn't mind trying it. Such a change as you contemplate should be considered carefully, contributed Mr. Parker. While six thousand seems a large sum, it would not last long if one had no other income. Before Mrs. Weems could reply, the strong odor of burning food permeated the room. The roast! exclaimed the housekeeper. I forgot it. 
Penny rushed ahead of her to the kitchen. As she jerked open the oven door, out poured a great cloud of smoke. Seizing a holder, she rescued the meat and, seeing at a glance that it was burned to a crisp, carried the pan outdoors. "'What will the neighbors say?' Mrs. Weems moaned. "'I never did a thing like that before. It's just that I am so excited I can't think what I'm doing.' "'Don't you mind,' laughed Penny. "'I'll get dinner tonight. You entertain Dad.' With difficulty, she persuaded the housekeeper to abandon the kitchen. Left to herself, she opened a can of cold meat, a can of corn, a can of peaches, and, with a salad already prepared, speedily announced the meal. "'Mr. Parker, I am truly ashamed,' Mrs. Weems began. "'Now don't apologize for my cooking,' broke in Penny. "'Quantity before quality is my motto. Anyway, if you're leaving, Dad will have to accustom himself to it.' "'I'll hide the can opener,' said Mr. Parker. "'That's a good idea, Dad.' "'Before I go, I'll try to teach Penny a little more about cooking,' Mrs. Weems said uncomfortably. "'Of course, you'll have no difficulty getting someone efficient to take my place.' "'No one can take your place,' declared Penny. "'If you leave, Dad and I will go to rack and ruin.' "'You are a pair when you're left to yourselves,' Mrs. Weems sighed. That's the one thing which makes me hesitate. Penny needs someone to keep her in check. An inexperienced person would be putty in my hands, declared Penny. You may as well decide to stay, Mrs. Weems. I don't know what to do. I've planned on this trip for years. Now that it's possible, I feel I can't give it up. Penny and Mr. Parker regarded each other across the table and immediately changed the subject. Not until that moment had they actually believed that the housekeeper was serious about leaving Riverview. Somehow they had never contemplated a future without Mrs. Weems. "'I happen to have two complimentary tickets to a show at the Rialto,' Mr. Parker said offhand. "'I'll be tied up with a meeting tonight, but you folks might enjoy going.' "'Shall we, Mrs. Weems?' inquired Penny. "'Thank you,' responded the housekeeper. "'But I doubt if I could sit still tonight. "'I thought I would run over to see Mrs. Hodges after dinner. "'She'll be pleased to learn about my inheritance, I know.' "'A friend of yours?' asked Mr. Parker. "'Yes. Penny and I have been acquainted with her for years. "'She lives on Christopher Street.' "'Perhaps this is none of my affair, Mrs. Weems. "'However, my advice to you is not to tell many persons about your inheritance.' Oh, Mrs. Hodges is to be trusted. I'm sure of it, Mrs. Weems. I refer to strangers. I'll be careful, the housekeeper promised. No one will ever get that money away from me once I have it. Penny helped with the dishes, and then, as her father was leaving the house, asked him if she might have the two theater tickets. Since Mrs. Weems doesn't care to go, I'll invite Louise, she explained. Mr. Parker gave her the tickets. Making certain that the housekeeper was upstairs, he spoke in a low tone. Penny, Mrs. Weems is serious about leaving us. You must try to dissuade her. What can I do, Dad? Well, you usually have a few ideas in the old filing cabinet. Can't you think of something? I'll do my best, Penny said with a twinkle. We can't let an inheritance take Mrs. Weems from us, that's certain. After her father had gone, Penny telephoned Louise, agreeing to meet her chum at the entrance of the Rialto. 
Arriving a few minutes early, she idly watched various cars unloading their passengers at the theater. Presently, a long black limousine, which Penny recognized, drew up at the curb. The chauffeur opened the door. Mr. Cole and his wife stepped to the pavement. Observing the girl, they paused to chat with her. I see you have the new fender installed on your car, Mr. Cole, Penny remarked with a grin. May I ask how much I owe the garage man? The sum was trifling, responded the banker. Twelve dollars and forty cents to be exact. I may as well take care of it myself. No, I insist, said Penny, wincing inwardly. You see, I am one of the star's highly paid executives now. I write society in Miss Hilderman's absence, and Dad gives me a salary. Oh, really, remarked Mrs. Cole with interest. We're giving a dinner for eight tomorrow night. You might like to mention it. Indeed, yes, said Penny eagerly. Obtaining complete details, she jotted notes on the back of an envelope. Mrs. Cole, at Penny's request, was able to recall several important parties which had been held that week, providing material for nearly a half column of society. After the Coles had entered the theater, Penny turned to glance at the black limousine which was pulling away from the curb. A short distance away stood a young man who likewise appeared to be watching the car. He wore a gray suit and a gray felt hat pulled unnaturally low over his eyes, as if to shield his face. As Penny watched, the young man jotted something down on a piece of paper. His gaze remained fixed upon the coal limousine, which was moving slowly down the street toward a parking lot. Why, that's odd, thought Penny. I do believe he noted the car license number, and perhaps for no good purpose. End of chapter 4